0: you are basically, deep, deep down, far, far in, is simply the fabric and structure of existence itself. Peace for all men and women, for all men and women, for all men and women. Not merely peace in our time, peace in all time. Honestly expressing yourself. Peace for all men and women, for all men and women, for all men and women. Not merely peace in our time, peace in all time. The fabric and structure of existence. Welcome to the Parallel Mike Podcast, I'm your host Mike and in today's show we are going to be looking at one of the most fascinating and important cycles that exist in nature. Perhaps the most important cycle when it comes to influencing and controlling human behaviour and that is the solar cycle, also known as the sunspot cycle. So for those of you that are not aware, the solar cycle is the observable cycle of solar activity in which the sun's magnetic field shifts from periods of relative calm to periods of high activity which results in more pronounced magnetic storms, all of which goes on to influence life here on Earth, and not in just subtle ways, not just in terms of our climate, but also in terms of our very psychology, both collectively and as individuals. In fact, in tonight's show I'm going to lay out exactly how the sun cycles have influenced almost every revolution and war in human history going back as far as records exist. I'm also going to talk about how it can even help us to predict when the stock market is going to crash and give lower than average returns or when we might even enter an economic depression. And of course, going into the next few years, that will have profound implications. So in part one, we're going to be exploring how the solar cycle has this huge body of work that shows that it is linked to the climate. And what the solar cycle tells us is flying completely in the opposite direction of what the climate alarmists the extremists are telling us and then we're going to go even deeper into things we're going to look at how the solar cycle is affecting human behavior literally shaping our collective histories and i think this one's going to be a very interesting episode particularly for those that have not researched this cycle before because in my opinion i do believe that the controllers of this place where we are are using this cycle against us. They're trying to harness the energies of the celestial bodies, including the sun, to enact their agendas. And I'm going to lay that out in tonight's episode. Now, in part two, I'm going to be going deep into the consequences of the solar cycle on the financial markets. Here, we're going to be exploring how the solar cycle influences inflation and how it has influenced every market crash since the Great Depression. And also, we're going to talk about the trader, William Gann, famous trader who used the solar cycle and astrology as predictive tools to become one of the most successful traders in human history and one of the wealthiest individuals in human history. Finally, I'm going to be talking a little bit about my own research into how the solar cycle has Finally, I'm going to be discussing at the end of the show my own research into how the solar cycle has impacted the gold price and different narratives and stories around gold over the past 100 years. Now, I'm not going to be adding that to today's show, but for members, you will be able to listen to that part specifically on gold as an addendum to episode number 12, so I'm going to release that in a day or two, so look out for that one. So this one is going to be a very important episode. It's really going to lay out to you just how profoundly impacted we are here on Earth by the sun and other celestial bodies. And of course, the ancients knew this, and we are now relearning this. Members, of course, please head over to ParallelMight.com where you can listen to the full episode. For those of you who are not members, if you enjoy part one, you will absolutely love part two, and it would be fantastic to have you over there as a member of course supporting independent content creators like myself is just one way of pushing back against this censorship and tyranny it will also increase your good karma and we all need a bit of that so i hope to see you over there thank you for listening there will be some charts along with this show particularly the economic ones you can download that for just a four dollar donation it's just another way of supporting the show members i will add some charts to the show notes also but this will be extra charts if you want them but you don't need them. It's just something extra for those who would like to see them. Okay, that's enough for today's intro. I'm going to leave it there. I wish you all good health and happiness. Thank you for listening. And of course, I will see you all in the next one. In ancient Egypt, the sun god Ra was the dominant figure among the high gods and retained this position from early on in that civilization's history. The sun god occupied a central position in both Sumerian and Akkadian religions who, as the solar deity, exercised the power of light over darkness and of evil. In this capacity, he became known as the god of justice and equity, and was the judge of both gods and of men. He also played a prominent role in both Greek and Roman worship, of course, and during the late periods of Roman history, sun worship gained in importance, and ultimately led to what has been called solar monotheism. Now, the older gods of the period possessed a solar quality, and both Christ and Mithra acquired the traits of the solar deity. The Feast of Sol Invictus, the unconquered sun, is on December the 25th, and was celebrated in Rome with great joy. And eventually this date was taken over by Christians as Christmas, the birthday of Christ. It was a custom of the pagans also to celebrate the same 25th of December day as the birthday of the sun, at which they kindled lights in tokens of festivity. In these solemnities and reveries, the Christians also took part. Accordingly, when the doctors of the church perceived that the Christians had a leaning towards this festival, they took counsel and resolved that the true nativity must be solemnized on that day. Okay, so to begin with, I thought it was important just to give a little bit of context, even though most people listening to this, I'm sure, we'll already know. But as we go back throughout history, it cannot be overstated just how important the sun has always been to mankind, both for obvious reasons. Of course, the sun is responsible for all life, all plant life, all growth. Without it, we would, of course, all be dead. It's responsible for our warmth, the illumination. It takes away the darkness. And as we're going to find out in tonight's episode, it's also an influencer of the climate of our psychology and our collective behavior and individual behavior. So, quite simply, not a single civilization in history did not ascribe to the sun an energetic character beyond just its visible effects. So, we are even talking about the sun as having its own consciousness, which has the capacity to steer the course of civilization or indeed even the individual and personal experiences of man. Christianity and the Christ figure is also representative of the sun. So we've been living through the past 2,000 years under the sun ourselves, whether you know it or not. Of course, Jesus is the sun, the son of God, the light, the light of the world. There was 12 disciples and there's 12 signs of the zodiac. That's not by mistake. So the message is there and for those who understand astrology, even just a little bit, I don't need to explain just how important the sun is in that regard. It is the sun's position in the zodiac that has the largest influence on the energies we experience here on earth. And of course the astrology is deeply encoded into the Bible also, it's absolutely full of it. The age of Pisces, which is the current astrological age we're in, well, Pisces is the astrological symbol of the fishes. And we know that the fish, of course, is associated with the Christian faith. Jesus taught the disciples to become fishes of men and he spoke symbolically about fishes. The next age, of course, is Aquarius, and that is the age we're going into, and Jesus said in Luke 22 10 that a man will meet you carrying an earthen pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he goes. Well, of course, Aquarius is the water bearer, and its symbol is a man carrying a pitcher of water, and the zodiacal signs are called houses, and this Quote here by Jesus says, The man will be carrying an earthen pitcher of water following him into the house where he goes. So this is talking about the coming age of Aquarius. But this is just a small tiny drop in the ocean. The Bible is absolutely full of astrology. So I guess my point is no matter where you look, no matter who you are, what religion you follow, what belief system you ascribe to, the sun is extremely important. And even if you have no belief structure at all, without the sun you would be dead. So it's very important for that reason alone. However, there are so many things that the Sun is actually doing that can be measured. We're not just talking about this energetic quality, we're talking about things that actually can be measured here on Earth. So let's begin by looking at the Sun in relation to the climate. The Sun's magnetic field goes through a cycle called the solar cycle. Every 11 years or so, the Sun's magnetic field completely flips. This means that the Sun's North and South Poles switch places then it takes about another 11 years for the sun's north and south poles to flip back again. The solar cycle affects activity on the surface of the sun, such as sunspots which are caused by the sun's magnetic fields. As the magnetic fields change, so does the amount of activity that takes place on the sun's surface. One way to track the solar cycle is by counting the number of sunspots. The beginning of a solar cycle is a solar minimum, or when the sun has the least amount of sunspots. Over time, solar activity and the number of sunspots increases. The middle of the cycle is called the solar maximum, or when the sun has the most sunspots. As the cycle ends, it fades back to the solar minimum and then a new cycle begins. Sunspots are characterized as dark blotches on the sun and they are caused by intense magnetic turbulence on the surface. During Maxima, there are numerous sunspots cool and dark areas on the sun's surface and the polarity of the sun's magnetic field weakens and then flips and the solar wind fluctuates wildly. During Minimet, the sun is relatively placid with no sunspots, a steady and strong magnetic field, and a more or less constant solar wind. Together, the sun's heat and light, the number of sunspots goes up and down during approximately 11-year cycles. And I will add, just for your knowledge, that it is actually a little bit under 11 years now, so over time it has shifted and it continues, but the maximum number of sunspots seen in a cycle has recently been declining. Now this is really important and we're going to talk more about this in a moment. So in terms of the solar cycles, what's important to understand is that there's this big cycle, this really big one that plays out over many centuries, and then there's a routine 11-year cycle, which I said already today is actually a bit under 11 years, and that's also constantly taking place. Now the difference between the two is that the big cycle will lead to much more substantial differences in temperature. Temperature over long periods of time, even though the 11-year cycle is still taking place constantly. So that's where over the course of 11 years there's this build-up of sunspot activity that increases the UV radiation and the solar storms which all affect the magnetic field of Earth. So this is where we are, we're getting this constant UV radiation and then as the cycle reverses and we go back towards what we call the minimum, the cycle of course gives us less UV radiation, there's less sunspots and often you'll have a period where there's no sunspots at all right at the minimum. It's just important to remember that we have the grand solar maximum and the grand solar Solar minimum also so this is not the 11 year cycle this is the big 400 year cycle and the last time we had a grand solar minimum it was considered a mini ice age because we were cooled for about 70 years and it said that during this time the thames in london was completely frozen over you could go skiing on the thames the canals of holland were regularly unnavigable because they were frozen in america whole swaths of farmland fell under ice and even the summers were cold during this period of course, this had a catastrophic consequence for civilization because it led to massive crop failures. It had substantial impacts on things like commerce, on population. It took us to population decline, and that's why it's called the mini ice age. We saw one between 1645 and 1710. That's the one I just discussed, called the Moundet Minimum. There was also one between 1270 and 1350. And just to give you an example of what this period looked like, there was a period during that called the Great Famine, and this was the first of series of large-scale crises that struck europe and it led to all kinds of issues so europe did not fully recover from that till 1322 there was crop failures there was cattle disease sheep and cattle numbers fell by as much as 80 percent it was marked by extreme levels of crime disease mass death and even cannibalism and infanticide A team led by Zhang at the University of Hong Kong poured over data from Europe and other Northern Hemisphere regions between AD 1500 to 1800. The team compared climate data such as temperatures and other variables including population size, growth rates, wars and other social disturbances, agricultural production, famines, grain prices and wages. The authors said that some effects such as food shortages and health problems showed up almost immediately between 1550 and 1660, the Little Ice Age's harshest period, during which growing seasons shortened and cultivated land shrunk. As arable land contracted, so did Europeans themselves, the study notes. Average height followed the temperature line, dipping nearly an inch during the 1500s as malnourishment spread, and rising again only as temperatures climbed after 1650, the authors found. Well, here's the kicker for the listeners who don't know, we are actually entering the next grand solar minimum right this moment. So those two periods I just discussed at the start of the 1300s and then later in the 1600s, where we had mass famine, we had people malnourished, we had massive social uprisings and chaos, infanticide, cannibalism, all those terrible things, Well, sadly, we are actually entering that grand solar minimum period right now. It began in 2020, which I'll get back to in a moment. Clearly, there's something significant about that date. And this is going to continue now going into 2030 and on until at least 2050. Again, key dates, agenda 2030, 2050. But did you know we are going into the grand solar minimum? Some of you will, but some of you won't. Nobody's talking about this and they don't want people talking about this because it's going to have profound implications for all sorts of things. It certainly adds new narratives and speculations as to what is taking place globally right now the climate change agenda depopulation geoengineering the control of new technologies resource wars I'm pretty sure all of the countries on planet Earth know what's happening and they understand just what a profound impact a grand solar minimum is going to have On the rest of the world so one thing that immediately springs to my mind is knowing what we know about the past mini ice age and how it led to wars and famine is how the hell on earth are these massive countries who are all heavily in debt and run by self-serving oligarchs going to feed their populaces and maintain order during this grand solar minimum period well you would have to have huge social controls in place and i think a lot of what we are seeing take place right now is directly related to the solar cycle and those at the top are acutely aware of what is coming and they are actually using these cycles against us in many ways. The cycles are numbered, with the first numbered cycle running from the minimum in 1755 to the next minimum in 1766 and what we're talking about here listener is the 11 year cycles. Currently we are in the 25th cycle, it's now unfolding with the previous minimum having took place during You guessed it, 2020, the year of the corona, also known as COVID-666. The next maximum will take place around 2025, with both the minimum and the maximum having great implications for all of us here on Earth, given the historically observable effects of the Sun Cycle and how it has affected mankind and our emotional states. Despite the clear impacts of the sun's cycles on climate and behaviour here on Earth, today the sun gets short shrift in the computer climate models, which are used to buttress the mainstream idea of anthropogenic or man-made global warming. That's because the climate change narrative, which links warming almost entirely to our emissions of greenhouse gases, trivialises the contribution to the warming from all other sources, including the sun. According to its fifth assessment report, the IPCC, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, attributes no more than a few percent of total global warming to the sun's influence. And there we have it, everyone, the climate change agenda that is purposely leaving out the most important celestial body to us here on Earth, the one that is responsible for all of our heat, the sun. Despite it being unequivocally a driver of climate here on Earth, as I have already discussed, the previous two minimums were catastrophic. And we know this. You can read about it even on Wikipedia. And yet we are entering right now the next grand solar minimum and nobody is talking about it. So that tells you something is seriously This should be on the lips of every single news reporter. It should be in all of the newspapers. It should be in all of the mainstream media. We should be talking about the grand solar minimum because we know from history just how catastrophic it is. What we are being told is that we need to give up our freedoms and rights, our access to resources, our ability to own personal vehicles so that we can save the planet. But this, of course, is nothing to do with the solar cycle. They're telling us we need to do this for CO2 emissions. so you know this is something that you have to consider as we're going through today's episode that there is a great trick being played on us things are actually going to get a lot cooler here on earth it's not warming up everyone it's getting cooler and the grand solar minimum we're talking mass famines and all kinds of other problems so there's two narratives here there's the climate change narrative and then there's the true natural interpretation of what's going to happen And at some point, they're going to try and weave these things together. So the impacts of the grand solar minimum are going to be ascribed to climate change and CO2 emissions. This is the great trick that they're going to be pulling on us. Northumbria University's Valentina Zarkova, a researcher who's published several papers on sunspots and grand solar minima, has linked the minima to a drastic fall off of the sun's internal magnetic field. The roughly 70% downswing in magnetic field from its average value is part of a 350 to 400 year cycle arising from regular variations in behavior of the very hot plasma powering our sun. In between the grand solar minima come grand solar maxima when the magnetic field and number of sunspots reaches the highest values. The most recent modern grand solar maximum even though slightly lopsided, is represented by the blue peaks in the figure above. This is a chart that I'm going to be sharing with members. And the figure below shows Zarkova's calculated magnitude of the magnetic field from 1975 to 2040, which is seen to diminish as the minimum approaches. Her calculations predict that the upcoming grand solar minimum will last from 2020 to 2053, with global temperatures dropping by up to 1 degrees Celsius and 1.8 degrees Fahrenheit in the late 2030s. That's as much as the world has warmed since pre-industrial times, and only 0.4 Celsius or 0.7 degrees Fahrenheit above the frigid temperatures recorded in 1710 at the end of the Maunder minimum. So if this cooling is going to happen everyone, if it's going to happen anyways, it really makes you wonder if this big con is taking place here, that they're going to be using this natural cooling as evidence that their totalitarian measures work. And then they're going to con the public into thinking, well gee, we really are saving the planet by following all of these draconian measures, so we better keep going along with it." Of course, if you throw geoengineering into the mix, it's possible that as this period of cooling really gets underway and we face all of the catastrophic consequences of that, they could attempt to block out the sun's rays with chemical spraying, which we know is already taking place, supposedly again, climate change but if we're already cooling and then they're making it even cooler well that could dramatically increase the effects of what is already going to be a very difficult time for humanity taking us to even lower temperatures of course we don't really know what the hell they are doing they don't know what the hell they're doing but controlling weather patterns is clearly going to be something that they're going to try and do because it's going to be key to pulling off their narrative. It may be that weather is made more erratic and extreme so we start to see more extreme weather events take place whilst the grand solar minimum is simultaneously taking temperatures lower and lower so we get the worst of both worlds. Clearly all of this would lead to mass crop failures, famines, lots of death, lots of disease. That's what history says will happen during this period. So none of what they're doing makes sense unless either the solar cycle is a lie, they would have to literally say the sun is a lie, what it does is a lie, which we know isn't the case, nature doesn't lie, they do. And what is really taking place here is an attempt to hijack these cycles and use them against us in order to take more control over the planet, its resources. And later I'm going to be laying out just how these cycles have been used to push us into different places collectively throughout modern history. Going back thousands of years, these cycles have been used to push us into all kinds of different historic places. We're talking wars, revolutions, and many more. If the predictions of Zarkova and others are correct, tough times are ahead. A relatively sudden drop in temperature of 1 degree Celsius would have drastic effects on agriculture, causing crop failures and widespread hunger as occurred during the Mondet Minimum and the need for extra heating in both hemispheres would come at a time when it's likely that much of our heating capacity supplied largely by fossil fuels will have been eliminated in the name of combating climate change. Other solar researchers have also predicted an imminent grand solar minimum, but for different reasons. One of the earliest predictions was a German astronomer and scholar called Theodor Landsteit in 2003. Landsteit predicted... A protracted cold period centered on the year 2030, based on his observation of an 87-year solar cycle known as the Gleisberg Cycle, which has been linked to regional climate fluctuations such as the flooding of the Nile River in Africa. A more recent prediction based on a 210-year solar cycle is that of Russian astrophysicist Habibulo Abdusmatov. He projects a more extended period of global cooling than either Zarkova or Landstadt, lasting as long as 65 years with the coldest interval around 2043. So what's important to understand is that beyond the 400 year cycle that I've already discussed and the 11 year cycle, there's many other cycles too because the sun is a very complex celestial body as I'm sure you'll be aware, but people are watching it and they're predicting what's gonna happen. And everyone is saying the same thing. We are entering the grand solar minimum. This is observable. You can see it by looking at the sunspots and taking records of them over time, which is what people have been doing for hundreds of years ever since sunspots were first observed and of course since the dawn of history we have been looking to the sky to understand our place in the universe and to make sense of our lives here so what we're going to see is a potentially world shattering event that could in fact be an extinction event and yet how many people are talking about this cycle the solar cycles like i said not many and how many people do you see panicking that it might get too cold that crops might fail that people might freeze to death in winter We're not preparing for that at all. We're preparing for the opposite. We've been told it's going to get hotter and hotter. So either the solar cycle is dead wrong or people are being set up for something biblical to take place, which would then ironically, almost certainly, be labelled as something that is evidence that their climate change narrative is correct, that it's human-made emissions and of course it would completely leave out the reality of where this is coming from and what we should be doing to fix it it's happening because of the sun and of course everything that they're talking about doing is going to diminish the effects of the sun it's blocking out the sun even further so we are actually doing the complete opposite of what we would be doing so just like with covid all of the consequences of the jabs which are now being used as evidence of the deadliness of covid they are tricking people they're flipping the narrative on its head and they create a new lie and then cover that lie up with a second lie and then cover that up with a third lie and tragically people keep falling for it and their own lives are becoming increasingly warped and impoverished financially, spiritually, ethically, and of course, in terms of their God-given rights, which have been stripped from them year by year, month by month, week by week, in the name of these massive narratives. Judging from recent scientific publications, the number of papers affirming a strong sun-climate link is on the rise. From 93 papers in 2014 examining such a link, almost as many were published in the first half of 2017 alone. The 2017 figure represents about 7% of all research papers in solar science over the same period and about 16% of all papers on computer climate models during that time. The rising tide of papers linking the sun to climate change may be why the UK climate scientist in 2015 attempted to silence the researcher who led the team predicting the slowdown in solar activity after 2020. Valentina Zakova, who had dared to propose that the average monthly number of sunspots would soon drop to nearly zero, based on a model in which a drastic fall-off is expected in the sun's magnetic field. Other solar researchers have made the same prediction using similar approaches and have faced similar backlash. Well, none of this should surprise anybody who's lived through the last few years and had their eyes open. This is the problem. What we've got today, what we call science today, is basically a mafia of ideologues, most of whom are either bought and paid for by big industry, Big government or both. Science is supposed to be about analysis and testing different ideas and theories looking to nature for answers in order to advance our collective knowledge of what's happening to us all here on earth but today the aim of science is absolutely not the advancement of knowledge as you all know it acts as the gatekeeper to knowledge inverted commas which is basically funded studies in which the outcome precedes the experiments. I'll put another way, these academics are being paid because they are almost completely dependent on outside grants and donations from big industry and government. So the only studies that are getting funded All published are those that will give the desired results. And woe betide anybody who tries to do some other studies that go against the agenda or the narrative... ...you will get silenced and deplatformed, as Zarkova and her team have found out. And of course, we all saw this with COVID. The corruption was so bad and the rot is so deep right now... ...they even had propaganda pieces on the dangers of vitamin D one of the most important vitamins for healthy function. But they were so terrified people might be using it to stay healthy, they actually did hit pieces on vitamin D and even tried to say that there's a risk of poisoning yourself by taking it. Of course, to poison yourself with vitamin D supplements, you'd have to be taking thousands and thousands of these tablets a day. It's just the most ludicrous thing that we could have seen, but it happened, as did many other insane and ludicrous things. Remember the therapeutics, ivermectin? hydroxychloroquine. These are drugs that have extremely good safety profiles for talking as good as any drug out there, as good as aspirin. And they took them off the shelves because they were so scared that people might treat themselves and may no longer be terrified of covid Terrified enough to line up and take the funny juice, which of course the agenda was all about. So we've seen this game played before, we've seen it played with nutrition also over the past 50 years, it occurred with smoking as well, and now of course it's happening with the climate scam. And all of the same dirty tricks and manipulations are going to be pulled. So it's going to happen again. And anyone who has any research or does anything outside of the narrative, well, they're going to be targeted. That's what's going to happen. It's going to be the same old tactics. deplatform them, bully them out of a job, threaten to defund their superiors, and on and on it goes in this battle for truth. One of Antarctica's most important glaciers is holding on by its fingernails as warming temperatures around the globe threaten to cause further deterioration, which could then destabilise the glaciers of the entire region. The Thwaites Glacier, which is located in the Amundsen Sea in Western Antarctica, is among the fastest changing glaciers in the region, according to scientists. And just note there for a second, listener, the name of that sea, Amundsen. Well, Amun-Ra was the Egyptian god of the sun. Along with Pine Island, also located again in the Amundsen Sea, the two structures are responsible for the largest contribution of sea level rise out of Antarctica scientists are finding that the thwaites glacier also known as the doomsday glacier is melting faster than previously thought as warm and dense deep water delivers heat to the present day ice shelf cavity and melts its ice shelves from below according to a study published in nature geoscience on monday thwaites is about the size of florida and has been known to be on fast retreat but researchers from the University of South Florida's College of Marine Science and the British Antarctic Survey mapped a critical area of the seafloor in front of the glacier that could be contributing to faster melting in the future. So I just wanted to give you an example of a mainstream climate alarmist narrative that's being pushed. This is something that we hear all the time about these doomsday glaciers in the Antarctic that are melting and this is the kind of story that's being pumped out again and again and it's just reproduced so many times to terrify people who are not doing any research themselves. They've got no other narratives available to them because of the massive censorship you face if you try and go against the narrative. Just look at what happened recently with Peter McCullough, Dr. Pierre Curie and then of course I just mentioned that woman who did the climate research about the solar cycles. Zarkova, this is what's happening and it's going to continue to happen ongoing. Sensational new scientific findings at a site on the West Antarctica ice sheet near the Thwaites Doomsday Glacier indicate that the current ice levels are up to eight times thicker than they were around 8,000 years ago. A group of 13 sciences led by Greg Balco of the Berkeley Geochronology Centre carried out extensive fieldwork in the Amundsen Sea embayment between the Thwaites and Pope glaciers and found the current thickness levels of 40 metres compared with measurements in the recent past ranging from 2 to 7 metres. In addition, they found that there was no evidence to suggest that at any other point in history there had been thicker ice shelves is almost certain that these findings will be ignored in the mainstream media where the political requirements of settled science have led to an effective ban on the discussion of the natural geological influences on the climate. Antarctica is a difficult area to drum up climate alarm about since warming has been nearly non-existent over the last seven decades of recorded history. Changes around the massive Thwaites Glacier are one of the key poster stories designed to spread global climate fear and promote the solution of the collectivist Net Zero Project. Well, there you have it everyone. I won't belabor this point any further but there is a ton of counter-narrative information and studies out there showing that we are being fed some science incorporated rather than real science in the sense as it should be performed, as the ancient Greeks performed it. And you know, I read another peer-reviewed research paper just recently titled Change in Antarctic Ice Shelf Area from 2009 to 2019 by Julia Andreassen and her paper showed that despite satellite observations having been used to show shelves collapse, thin and retreat in the mainstream media there are few measurements of the Antarctic wide change in the ice shelf. Their decade-long study was able to show that between 2009 and 2019 there was in fact a 5,889 kilometer square gain in the Antarctic ice shelf. So there is something going on. No wonder they don't want people going there because that is where the narratives are stemming from. And it goes on to say, our observations show that Antarctic ice shelves gained 661 gigatons of ice mass over the past decade. However, where the traditional steady state approach is used, it would have in fact estimated a substantial ice loss over the same period, demonstrating the importance of using time variable carving flux observations to measure change. Okay, another narrative-busting discovery. Well, I can almost guarantee this research will go the same way as Zarkova's because quite simply it says the wrong things. The science says the wrong things, that means it's bad science. And as an aside, an interesting thing I found out when researching this episode is that if you do online searches around solar minimums and maximums, they are heavily patrolled. first two pages of search results are almost exclusively NASA and government sites. And in fact, of all the episodes that I've done so far, I would say the results for this one when I was doing my research were the most police. So that tells you something. They really don't want people looking into the solar minimums and maximums at all. Okay, so now let's begin to take a look at how the solar cycle affects life on planet Earth in the context of human behavior. And I'm not talking about migratory patterns here. I'm talking in a very literal, sense in terms of human behavior how we think how we behave in groups so we're going to be talking about the electromagnetic bursts from the sun and the 11 year solar cycle and how that is impacting how we think behave and act here on earth in 1922 alexander chizhevsky a young belarusian scientist unveiled to the world a preposterous theory that all the great upheavals in the history of man, such as social unrest, war, and revolution, were caused by the activity of the sun. Chishevsky noticed during World War I that particularly severe battles followed solar flares. Since the sunspots were in a peak during the period between 1916 and 1917, no doubt the war and its various battles were heavily stimulated by the energies which were boiling off the sun. Intrigued by the connection of human behavior to solar physics, Chizhevsky compiled the history of 72 countries between 500 BC and 1922 AD to provide a strong database to articulate his correlations. Having rated the most significant events over this 1500-year period, Chizhevsky found that 80% of the most significant human events mostly related to war and violence, occurred during the five years or so of maximum sunspot activity. These extraordinary claims contained in his first book, Physical Factors of Historical Progress, were greeted with near-universal derision. And for a time, this brooding, pallid 25-year-old, a descendant of a court tenor and a member of hereditary nobility, who was already tainted by his aristocratic lineage in the eyes of his countrymen, became the laughingstock of the newly ensconced Bolshevik party, which despairingly nicknamed him the Sun Worshipper. So one thing that I wanted to point out is that without a shadow of a doubt, Chizhevsky was not the first person to recognize the power of the sun or the solar cycles. He was somebody that picked up on this, but this is something that we have known about going all the way back to the dawn of civilization. As I alluded to in the start, We looked at it in different ways, but we always understood the sun was having a profound impact over here on Earth. The way it moved around the celestial sky, went in and out different spaces in the zodiac, when it had eclipses, that all of those things were having profound impacts on us. So we understood that the sun was impacting us. But what Chishovsky really did, what he was responsible for, is he was one of the first people to publicly disclose all of this through academic research, something he was, as we will find out, severely punished for. Chizhevsky's theory suggests Suggested that the solar activity cycle shaped all of human history. He found that a significant percent of revolutions and what he classified as the most important historical events involving large numbers of people occurred in the three year periods around sunspot maximums. Chizhevsky proposed to divide the 11 year solar cycle into four phases. Number 1. A three year period of minimum activity around the solar minimum, characterized by passivity and autocratic rule. 2 a two-year period during which people begin to organize under new leaders and one theme. Three, a three-year period around the solar maximum of maximum excitability, revolutions and wars begin. Four, a three-year period in the gradual decrease of excitability until people are apathetic at the bottom of the cycle. Through his subsequent studies, Chichewski came to believe that correlations with the solar cycles could be found across a very diverse set of natural phenomena and human activities. In his book, he compiled a list of as many as 27 of them, ranging from crop harvest to epidemic diseases and mortality rates. Wow, so if what Chishevsky is saying is actually true, this would without a doubt be one of the most important discoveries in human history, surely? But then remember, this has been discovered many times before. It's only in modern history that we have eschewed the knowledge of the ancients and that we went to this secular thinking. But let's ignore that for a second. If this is true, surely if somebody could demonstrate that human beings were literally being influenced and pushed to action throughout history by the cycles of the sun... That would have the most profound implications on how we view ourselves and how we relate to nature, to God, and of course those in power. So why doesn't everybody know about the solar cycle and why is it not being taught to us in school? Well, of course, that one's simple. It would give the game away, wouldn't it? It would provide human beings with a completely new template, an astrological one, which is in fact, of course, not new. It's how we have operated for thousands of years and how the controllers still operate today. It's only us. The profane, as they call us, that do not understand these cycles and the role of nature and the cosmos and the celestial bodies in our lives. And of course, the reason for that is so that those who do understand it can use it against us time and time again. Now, if it was true what Chishevsky was saying, I would be able to give evidence of that. We should see that at least some of these world events, these events that are taking place, have been aligned with this cycle and we could say this has happened naturally, or people have pushed us to act during these periods. They have collectively taken over the cycle to use it against us. So this would be times when they want people to get excited, aggressive, mad, and collectivized. That would align with the solar maximum, or perhaps even a strong geomagnetic storm. So this would be a period when there was a lot of electromagnetic radiation, and that would lead people to feeling all those things. And then, of course, when you wanted people to feel low, anxious, depressed, isolated, that would happen during a solar minimum. That's periods of very low electromagnetic radiation. So let's look at what Chishevsky found. And bearing in mind Chishevsky was not suggesting that this cycle was being harnessed by groups to push people to action, he was just exploring the energies of the cycle itself, the increases and decreases in electromagnetic radiation that pushes and pulls humankind to action or to have different emotional states. Now, I am simply hypothesizing here that you would have to be crazy to think that there were not powerful entities using this cycle to shape our realities and increase their own wealth and power. Life is a phenomenon. Its production is due to the influence of the dynamics of the cosmos on a passive subject. It lives due to dynamics. Each oscillation of organic pulsation is coordinated with the cosmic heart in a grandiose hole of nebulas, stars, the sun, the sun, and the planet, Alexander Chishevsky. Chishevsky's analysis was undeniable, but because it went against the Marxist viewpoint, Stalin had him arrested in 1920 and thrown into prison. He was released only after Stalin's death. Chishevsky's conclusions must have seemed very strange to Stalin. According to the Marxist and communist thinking, whatever revolutions occur on Earth are fundamentally caused by the economic differences between men. But Chishevsky declared that revolutions are caused by the explosions happening on the sun. How can explosions on the sun possibly be related to the existence of poverty or wealth in the lives of men? If Chishevsky's thesis is correct, then Marx's entire system disintegrates into dust. Then you cannot explain revolutions in reference to economics and class struggle any longer. Then only astrology can explain revolution. Chizhevsky could not be proved wrong. His calculations covering 700 years were so scientific, the connection he established between explosions of the sun and phenomena on the earth were so close, but it was a simple matter to send him to Siberia. After Stalin's death, Khrushchev released Chehevsky nearly 50 valuable years of the man's life had now been lost in Siberia. And after his release, he only lived another four to six months. But in those few months, he gathered together even more evidence for his theses. He also linked solar influence to the spread of epidemics here on Earth. And this quote that I took from an article I found on Chehevsky ends like this. The sun is not a static ball of fire as we ordinarily think, but rather an infinitely alive and dynamic fiery organism. The sun changes its moods every moment, and when the sun changes its moods even a little, life on earth is affected. Nothing happens on the sun without something happening on earth, as above so below is what I would add to that too. When there is a solar eclipse 24 hours earlier, the birds in the forest stop singing. For the entire time of the eclipse, the birds stop their singing and the whole of earth is silent. All of the animals in the forest are full of apprehension. They become oppressed and frightened. The monkeys abandon their trees and come down below. They form themselves into groups, apparently as a means of protection. And it is a surprising thing that these monkeys, who are always gossiping and making such a hue and cry, become so quiet at the time of the eclipse that even meditators cannot comprehend them. Well, looking back at how Chizhevsky was trekked for unveiling this cycle, and then, as we just did, exploring how Zarkova has now also had the same thing done to her, where they tried to get her university to retract her research and disparage her, it certainly looks like history is beginning to rhyme, and that anybody has tried to truly crack the solar cycle in the modern era since let's say the early 1900s when we had the royal societies take us to dead materialism we had this theory of evolution mythological darwinism a godless society where they wanted to disconnect us from creation it certainly seems that anybody who has tried to truly crack the solar cycle has been ousted and has been severely punished for Chizhevsky, this was a life sent in the gulag So let's now look at what Chishevsky actually found out, what was so controversial. Let's uncover some of his work aligning the solar cycle to world events. And I'm going to be adding some charts in the members section, but also for a more comprehensive chart book with all of the economic charts that I've collected over the years. I will be releasing that separately and you can buy that for a small donation of £5.00 if you want them it's just something that I use in terms of looking at finance so they're not necessary for the episode but they're certainly extremely interesting and very valuable resources so if you want to buy that for a small donation you can that will be on my website. Okay so in front of me I have the chart overlaying some of history's most significant and bloody revolutions and it's absolutely astounding what these charts are showing us and members don't worry these charts will be available to you also so the main charts will be available free in the show notes it's just the additional chart. I'm putting into a book and let me just go through this chat with you. What we're seeing is that essentially pretty much every major social shift, revolution and war in modern history has taken place around the time of the solar maximum. This includes the American Revolution, the French Revolution, the Russian Revolution, the Cuban Revolution, the Italian Revolution, also known as the Risorgimento, World War I, World War II. And on and on it goes. You know, even if you look at most recent history, you can see the Czechoslovakia uprising, the collapse of the Berlin Wall, the Arab Spring, the 2014 Ukrainian revolution. All of these things happened at the solar maximum in this 11 year cycle. Can you believe that? It's absolutely astounding. Of course, the solar minimum has observable effects also. Only instead of making people more prone to aggression and excitement, it makes them more prone to depression, lethargy, Apathy. So what is going on here? This is just absolutely astounding, but you know, it doesn't surprise me at all. Throughout history, the ancients were a hundred percent aware of this, not just in relation to the sun, but the effects of all the planets in the zodiac upon us. This is literally the entire history of human beings and the influences of the Lumaries were always known and understood. The influences of the planets, the sun. All of it was known, hence why the controllers of the world have spent their entire history seeking to harness it. They all have astrologers. I think it's JP Morgan that says millionaires don't have astrologers, but billionaires do. So again, what is going on here and what came first, the chicken or the egg, is what we are seeing with reference to the solar cycle causing these global events here on Earth or is there a hidden hand directing human events according to the solar cycle knowing full well that those energies are at play And they're trying to harness those energies to use human beings as their conduit for getting more power, more wealth, to succeed in their agendas, their wars. Well, I certainly know what I think. Clearly, if you look back throughout history, these controllers have always, right up until today, sought to harness the powerful effects and energies that play in the cosmos for their own benefits and ensure the rest of humanity remain ignorant of them. Who has the world's most powerful telescope? Lucifer. That's the name of it. Well, it's the Vatican, of course. Could it be that these rich and powerful people might actually want to use the Celestial Clock above us and the Zodiac and use it to plan their agendas and their futures, writing the script around key astrological moments to try and ensure their success? Well, of course they would. Of course they would. And any work around this is simply not taught because they don't want people to regain agency and maybe use these energies for themselves, You know, use this to make a better world. Take 2020, for example. It just so happened that during COVID, this plan to try and forcibly lock us all down, it occurred during a solar minimum. Not a maximum, a minimum. Why? Because that's the time when people are already going to be naturally depressed and apathetic. Is it a coincidence that it literally took place at the very bottom of the solar cycle during the minimum when it would have the highest chance of succeeding? There was no better time to attempt such a thing. And why not call it a coronavirus? Because, of course, corona denotes to the sun or crown. I mean, don't you think it's strange that going into the grand solar minimum, this once every 400-year event, it falls right at the start of 2020, and then during the smaller solar minimum, which is the one that happens in the 11-year cycle, that that coincides also with 2020. And then we have this virus called coronavirus, which means sun virus, It's all just a little bit strange, isn't it? It's all just a little bit strange. Of course, the sun is also representative of God. And most recently, Jesus Christ, of course, was the uh, religion of the West. So that's another thing we've got with this coronavirus, the virus of the sun. Well, you could say that is the virus of God too. We're trying to get rid of God. So this all has implications when you look at it symbolically. And then during the whole event, let's not forget, what did they do? They stopped people going outside. So not only were they naturally getting less solar radiation because of the minimum, they were then also told to stay at home, to stay away from the sun, don't go outside, certainly don't take any vitamin D. Why would they want to do that? It makes no sense. Well, of course, it does make sense. If you're going to a solar minimum, you're going to try and harness that energy to lock everyone down to keep people in a state of depression, a state of isolation, which is the energy that's already in play. You want to maximize that. You want to try and amplify it even further. So of course, keeping people People at home has a massive multiplier effect on this low energy lethargic state that's already in play because of the solar cycle. So clearly, if somebody knew what they were doing, these kind of events could be timed around celestial cycles in order to enhance them and increase their chances of success. Wars could be timed for the maximum amount of excitability during the maximum And market crashes and things like what we just discussed with COVID, they could be timed for drawing the minimum. So in terms of what comes first, well, it depends on if you think people out there are shaping the world events or not. And I think clearly, if you know your history and have been awake the past few years, that is what's happening. That is how it works. That is how it's always been. People try and take power. Tyrants and psychopaths do exist and they will do whatever it takes. They want every single possible chance of success and of course these cycles are extremely powerful it's very clear you know let's go back to september the 11th that was another good example this time it took place during period three which was the build-up period that chishevsky Um, highlighted as the build-up towards the maximum aggression phase. And September the 11th occurred just towards the end of that. So as this aggression was building up, and then of course, what did we have right after? We had the Afghanistan war and the Iraq war, and they took place during the solar maximum just a year or so after. So that was when people were at the most heightened phase, according to Chishevsky's model. So these things matter and later on we're going to be discussing how the solar cycles impact all manner of things including financial markets and I'm also going to be exploring a cycle that I myself uncovered in part two in relation to the solar cycle and gold. This was my own research that triggered me to look into some cycles to begin with and boy do I have some interesting stuff to share with you on that front. Now I've got an article here from Martin Armstrong posted about Chizhevsky and he stated the following, The only problem with Chishevsky's work is that it was one dimensional in thinking of trying to discover the single cause to the effect. The actual results are far more complex and dynamic, yet Chishevsky made a major contribution to investigating sunspots. Combining this data with ice core samples broadens the scope and now we begin to see climate take shape. Additionally, we have to inject disease, plagues and pandemics into the model. When we add this data, we then begin to see how a lack of sunspot activity, so this is talking about the solar minimum, has the propensity to bring about disease, plague and pandemic. Well, again, what did we see during 2022? The solar minimum, this was the bottom of the cycle, and we had the supposed pandemic. This in turn feeds migrations and was the leading cause of the invasion of Europe by the Huns. However, it was the Huns pushing west that drove the Goths to invade Rome. And here's where it gets really interesting. He goes on to say, Was the decline of the Roman Empire in part also caused by climate change? Scientists have used tree rings to catalogue the climate's history. In fact, trees grow more during fertile years that result in thick tree rings. During dry years, however, tree rings grow far more narrow and thus identify a climate cycle. Wood samples from sites throughout Europe collected from ancient Roman ruins have revealed that the decline and fall of the Roman Empire coincides with a period of unusually thin rings, implying very cold and dry periods, a solar minimum, or perhaps a grand solar minimum. Correlating all the data from tree rings to ice cores and sunspot activity, what is clear is that society expands during global warm periods and collapses during global cooling. Wet and warm summers occurred during the periods of every expansion of civilization. The decline in the energy output of the sun is lethal to civilization. This contributed to the decline and fall of the Roman Empire that was already economically weakened. So this should be starting to sound very familiar, everyone, and we are now going into our own grand solar minimum. The climate turned down from about 200 AD and bottomed around 600 AD. Now, again, I've got a fantastic chart in front of me that I'm going to put into the chat book. And what this chart shows us is, is that if you go all the way back to ancient Babylon, pretty much every civilization from then on, the Egyptians, the Minoans, the Phoenicians, the Romans, the Greek, they all had their peaks during periods of high solar activity. So this is during solar maximums, and they all declined and collapsed towards solar minimums or during the solar minimum. So clearly this has profound implications for the current global geopolitical situation, You know, we've got the end of a great empire. And I would say it's the end of a revived Roman Empire. That's the American Empire. And its most extreme expression was with the American uh, nation. And of course, that's collapsing. It's showing signs of collapse in every single measurable metric possible. If you go back throughout history and you look at all of these past civilizations... And what happened leading into the collapse, America is ticking all of the boxes and then some. And now we can add to that this final piece of the puzzle, which is that we are going into this period, this once every 400-year period of the grand solar minimum where the temperatures are going to be cooling. It's going to have profound consequences. So, you know, America, like I said, if you look at any metric, debt levels, social cohesion, balance of trade, war, expense, this is all of the things that you would look at to see if a society is moving towards a peak or a collapse and no civilization has ever come back from where the american empire is right now it is not only in a state of terminal decline it is past all of the thresholds that indicate a collapse is now imminent and likely within the next eight to ten years so when we add the grand solar minimum to this Knowing what we do about global debt levels, about the state of the US dollar and debt levels in America and the geopolitical situations, Thucydides trap, which is now occurring before our very eyes with China rising, America going to war to try and stop this. When you add all of that together and then factor in the devastating consequences of the grand solar minimum, as it falls into place, the stars truly are aligning. America's end is going to be just like the Roman Empire's end and everything is in play as it always has been throughout every single civilization collapse moment so what we're heading into everyone is going to be biblical without a doubt and climate certainly is going to play a role in everything that's at play just not the one that people marching down the street shouting just stop oil think it's going to play and it goes without saying we are in for one hell of a ride so I'm going to leave it there for part one everyone I hope you enjoyed this one I hope it illuminated you to the cycle, the solar cycle, the 11-year cycle and the big 350 to 400-year cycle and how that is shaping life here on Earth, how that's shaping us collectively in terms of our energies, how we feel, how we behave. Now, I'm not talking here about fate, that we have no control over this, but what I am talking about is astrology, how these events, these things that happen above us, they all matter, they all have meaning, and some people know this, and some people are using this to their advantage. Now, if you know it, you can start to prepare for the future. You can start to expect things to happen at the right time. Now, as we go into part two, I'm gonna be sharing with you how the solar cycle affects the financial markets. Now, this is a bombshell part of the show, I'm really excited to share it with you. We're going to be looking at how the solar cycle influences things like market downturns, market depressions, how the moon affects the markets also. I'm going to be sharing with you the story of one of the greatest traders who ever lived, who made all of his trades based on astrological events, the solar cycle, sacred geometry, ancient mathematics, and that is William Gann. And he was somebody who became one of the richest men who ever lived using this cycle. I'm also going to be sharing with you one of the cycles that I found myself relating to the solar cycle and that's how the solar cycle has impacted gold over the past 100 years both in terms of its price and in terms of the things that have occurred geopolitically and economically around gold so I'm really excited to share that one with you if you enjoyed part one you are going to love part two so if you're not a member already it'll be fantastic to see you over there on parallelmite.com members I will see you over there there will be some charts in the show notes members that will help you see how these cycles are working I will put my gold cycle chart in there as well but if you want the extensive charts because I've got a lot of them it's just a five dollar donation whether you listen to part one or part one and two you'll be able to pick that up on the website it's just a five donation to help me continue doing the work that I do in closing I hope you're all very well I hope you're healthy happy I wish you all the best thank you for listening and of course I will see you in the next one what you are basically deep, deep down, far, far in, is simply the fabric and structure of existence itself. Peace for all men and women, for all men and women, for all men and women. Not merely peace in our time, peace in all times the yourself. Peace for all men and women, for all men and women, for all men and women. Not merely peace in our time, peace in all times. The fabric and structure of existence.